Yeah, I'm waiting for Brian to shut up. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 126. My name is CJ Schrader, and with me, as always, my two covered co-hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hey, this is Jess. And Brian Prelevin. All Hello. right, we have a very special guest on today. Awesome. Blossom. Uh, we have, <laughs> he got me thinking about Blossom. I was like, isn't she on that Big Bang Theory now? And uh, yes. No, we have Ricky Hayashi, one better than Blossom. But can you pronounce her, her name, the name of the actress? No. No, I can't. I don't actually even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think her isn't her name Blossom. No, but it's like uh, it's like Mayim Blalik or something like that. Which is why we could just now call her Blossom. It it's M A Y I M B I A L I K. Take your best guess. Porculus. Port-culus. That's how you pronounce it. Portcullis, Brian. <laughs> it's Portcullis. Porculus. On today's episode of Words, Brian Prilliman mispronounces. No, he's he's oh. making a call back to me. Yeah, there's this this is a, a running joke from a lot. Yeah, time. and now we're gonna read an email from Steve because it actually touches on this. <laughs> he okay. says he says, Could you read the flavor text on Sentinel of the Eternal Watch on the show and maybe explain what it means or say it five times fast? And that's because the the uh the um flavor text on Sentinel of the Watch is the portcullis is superfluous. And he was trying to get me to say Porculus, god of the pig lords, I guess. <laughs> Superfluous, by the way, means extra, unnecessary, because she's a giant, the sentinel. All right. Well, um, this up. Ep- there was a word. There was a word that you were correct on and that Jess and I were Icor? mispronouncing, wasn't it? Uh, emeritus, no. I think. <laughs> no. Uh, tweet, tweet at us, listeners. What was the what was the word that Jess uh, that uh, that CJ schooled us on? I don't know. Let's talk about cover letters, though. Like a year ago. This has been odd. Can we, talk about flavor, can we talk about flavor text? No. <laughs> okay. That's why Ricky's on with us. Ricky, Ricky, you're here because you wanted to talk about cover letters. Because I would guess that uh, you're you're in a position with SCG now. You see a wide variety of cover letters. A wide variety. Yes. <laughs> I was being very polite. Yes. So I, I'm back on the East Coast now. It is. It has been two years since I left Star City Games, and now I've come back. I don't know why, but here I am. And one of the things I got thrown into immediately was to help out with uh, staffing of events, of choosing choosing judges and managing the judge staffs for all of the open series events. And immediately I noticed a problem in that most judges are writing average, terrible cover letters for these events, and it's... So wait, wait, average terrible. What's what's that? Do you mean, mean do you mean terrible to average or on average they are terrible? Sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pick pick your pick your meaning. Okay, got it. So just generally bad. Yeah, and it and it makes it really hard um to to select judge staffs when when you have a bunch of these cover letters and mo- like most of them aren't really w- worth worth reading or I guess writing um, that being said the the word the actual worst thing is when they don't write a cover letter at all well maybe I don't know <laughs> well, what can we what is a cover letter for because there's there's we have some listeners that aren't even that aren't judges that might not know what a cover letter is sure yeah so we're talking about most um, 
most large events these days and large probably starts at around PPTQs and higher are run on a website called apps.magicjudges.com or commonly called judge apps. That's a, and, it's a .org actually. Oh, oops. Well, .net. <laughs> you can put that in the show notes. Sure. Too. One of those. <laughs> I will put a link to judge apps. So, so this is a website that a bunch of judges have, have put together, and if you are a tournament organizer, you can create an event on this website. Like here, here's my event. Here's my PPTQ. And all the, well, not all, but most, most of the comp REL judges are on this website. They have a, a username and an account, and if an event pops up on the website, they can apply to judge at that event. And part of the application is you can write a cover letter. There's a space to write a cover letter. Other parts are oftentimes the organizer will set a bunch of questions that you that you answer. And it might be simple stuff like, what is your shirt size? You know, that one's hard to screw up. Although you, you, you see some interesting responses there as well. Uh, and it could be more you know, relevant information for the tournament itself, like, if it's a Star City Open, you know what days are you interested interested in working? Saturday, Sunday, or both? Um, and then, so the cover letter is usually that that extra spot, you know, that you can basically put whatever you want. And sure enough, people do put whatever they want. And let's see, CJ and Jess have recently head judged opens, right? Uh, yes. I will be very soon. Right, so so Jess head judged the uh, the Baltimore Open in June. CJ, you're doing the the Charlotte Premier IQ. Yep. That uh, should be like what next week when this episode comes out. No, this episode's coming out tomorrow. Oh, well, hey. Yeah, that's how I roll. Welcome to the future. Yeah. And then Brian, you too. You did uh, what? Dallas. I did Dallas. Yeah. So you guys have all seen this too. Uh, because we invite the head judges to to comment on applications. So what happens is in the back end, when a judge enters their application with all the information, there is a there's a listing of all the judges who have applied. And if you're an admin for the event, or if you are you know head judge, we invite the head judges or regional coordinators to comment on the applications. You can hover over someone's name, and then it shows you their their profile and their cover letter, and then you can type in a comment and enter it, and then that's kind of how we how we distinguish judges for staffs, and ultimately how we choose them. Um, and again, this process for Star City Opens and Grand Prix, you know, you can get upwards of anywhere from thirty to hundreds of judges applying to these types of events. Go ahead. No, no, I think I think uh, was it Vegas had five hundred judges on staff. You can just imagine the sheer volume of cover letters they got I, as well. I believe I heard a rumor that that event actually broke judge apps. Like there were too many applicants and something on the back end no longer worked and they had to change it. Just the rumor. I, I don't know if it's true. <laughs> it could be just one of those stories that people tell. Given, given that prior to Vegas, I think the most, the highest number of applicants I had ever seen for an event was like 150. Uh-huh. Uh, I can I can believe that. You know, they they use the uh, the the old uh, Legend of Zelda rupee count, uh, so you can't have more than two hundred and fifty five judges apply. <laughs> that was terrible. That was terrible. What? That was. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> Some people might not get that reference. 
No. Uh, they, <laughs> look at look it up. It's exercise for the educator. Either way, the I wouldn't be listener. surprised if that was true that it, it causes that problem. But uh, the point being that there were a lot of cover letters to look through. So, uh, so when you're when you're applying in general, so there's there's more than uh, the cover letter itself. There's there's some other things that go along with your with your application with your cover letter, right? And uh, uh, we wanted to talk about things to make your cover letter uh, as appealing as possible. And and probably one of the mo- most important things is your level. Uh, do you guys do you guys run into those be- the the level being incorrect a whole lot? Uh, I actually have had that happen usually with people that are recently promoted, um, and, and whoever tested them hasn't updated their level of judge apps, or nobody even realized that it was wrong. Um, and like rather than go bug the person that tested them to make sure it's right, or, or or talk to a person, they just like they'll tell you in the application that it's wrong. Yeah, I think I think perhaps a lot of so, uh, level twos don't know that they need to go update that. When you certify someone for level one, you need right. to go update it in Judge Apps. Well, I, I've I've even found when you certify someone for level one, so so what happens is when you when you sign up for Judge Apps, your level gets set when you get a, an account on Judge Apps, and if you are a level zero, then it's set to zero. If you're level one, it gets set to one, and so on. And then when you test and and get the the bump. It updates in the wizard system, but it doesn't update in uh, Judge Apps. So it is the the tester's responsibility, the person that is doing the 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 testing, to change that level. Right, and that's because those those so, two entities are independent. The the Judge Center and Judge Apps are not connected at all. There was when Judge Apps first launched, there was a an information dump, so everyone's level was automatically set to whatever they were in Judge Center on that day. But from that day forward, it's it's all been manual. So even if someone is advanced uh, to level one in Judge Center, that doesn't that doesn't do anything in Judge Apps, and that has to be changed manually by someone. And as CJ mentioned, mentioned the best person to do that is the judge who tested and certified that individual, because they are the one who a has the ability to do so. If you're a level two, you have the ability to change someone from zero to one, and b knows when that happened uh, because they presumably sat down and tested that person. So, so, so make, yeah, definitely, definitely make sure that your level is correct because that is when, when planning an event, you know, you will typically have an idea of the number of the, you'll have a target number of level ones and a target number of level twos. Um, and if you might be selling yourself short, if your level is incorrect. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's you might be selling yourself short and in from my perspective as as a tournament organizer as part of Star City Games, it can cause complications because compensation is set to level in many cases. And if we have accepted someone at a certain level, you know, we are expecting to to pay them that amount and then if we find out that that has changed, you know, that's that's a problem for us. Yeah, that makes sense. Right, because money, believe it or not, is not infinite. <laughs> so what's, uh, what's next? Well, they say that a picture is worth a thousand words. And so rather than type out a thousand word cover letter, 
one of the best things you can do is to have a profile pic because on this website you can do that. You can have a picture of yourself um, that shows who you are. And uh, especially for level ones, a lot of people don't have profile pics. I don't know if, if that's just they don't they don't realize that that's a thing or what. But when when you're looking through all these applications, you know, and if if you have a a dozen level ones. Some of them, you know, maybe you've worked with before, but, you know, names, just having a name isn't the most useful. And if, if you have a picture along with a name, then that goes a long way towards helping to jog the memory of whoever's looking over these things. It's like, oh, oh yeah, I remember this guy. It's, it's that, you know, John Adams, because there's so many John Adams in the judge program. Now I'm going to go look. Do you <laughs> do you know how to update that picture? Is it something you can do yourself on Judge Apps? Uh, it is actually something you can do yourself. Um, I, I've yeah. uh, one thing that I don't think has been mentioned yet is that if you do update that yourself, you should make sure it's actually a picture of you in the context of judging, <laughs> as a, as opposed to you in like board shorts yes, holding a yeah. surfboard. Yeah, I think something to add okay. there is I think a lot of people maybe hold off on their picture because they're like, well, I don't have a judge shirt. And you don't you don't need that to have a photo on there. But, you know, generally when you're judging, you wear all black or something appropriate like that. So just take a picture in what you judge in. I'm assuming you're not judging in, what you call them, board shirt shorts? Board I'm shorts. I'm going to guess that's something surfers wear. <laughs> okay. <Yep>. Yes. <laughs> so there's only one John Adams in the judge program, it well. seems. He was and that is John up. Paul Adams. And actually, he has a perfect example here of his profile pic. Um, you were talking about how people wait to get a judge shirt. And, and that, that really doesn't matter because his profile pic right here is a headshot, you know, kind of like a, a classic passport headshot. And you can barely see the top of his shirt. Like, you can see his collar. And mm -hmm. you can't see, like, any kind of logo like Magic Judges or anything like that. So, like, this this could in fact be a generic black button-up shirt with a collar. Although I do recognize the collar tag, so I think it's it's a judge shirt. <laughs> yeah, I think I think something something maybe a lot of judges don't realize is that the majority of judges do not have judge shirts. Yeah, that's true. Like if, the, the black one. Yeah, the black judge shirt. So. So it's it's also like uh, if you go to a conference or you go to a PPTQ or something like that, a lot of times you, you borrow a shirt or something like that. Or some conferences will even have, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, they'll bring some shirts that you can put on for the purpose of taking your picture or your glamour shot or whatever. And you can upload that. So that's kind of a, something that they do. So if they have, if you go to something and you borrow a shirt, take advantage Take a picture next to something magic related wearing the judge shirt, and there you go, you have it. I mean, you everyone's got cameras on them. There's really no excuse for not having a uh, yep. a picture. I took on a judges. bunch at regionals this past weekend. Nice. Yeah, glamour shots. Okay. And you you mentioned the something magic in the background. That's not necessary, but it's kind of become the thing. I don't. I guess it's to make it make it seem like it's not just your passport photo. It's it's better it's better than uh you know the the open sign at the card store right right you know so I mean you're you're taking a picture you want it you want it to look nice I mean you're not gonna like smear Vaseline on the lens or anything like that for your glamour shot but you know you can kind of make it nice I mean you might not have like the mana symbols 
that are from like those Pro Tour photos that a lot of the L3s have. Uh, but still, you know, it's a nice touch. If you're taking a picture, you might as well plan your background accordingly. It's not like your buddy doing uh, bunny ears or something like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like that's when you when you take this picture, I would say take a semi-serious picture. Like smiling is obviously okay, but I've I've seen some ridiculous ones that that make me like honestly they make me question the person's professionalism. And this is literally your face on your application, and you want to make sure that it represents you well. So what if the person had like 10 pins in their pocket? That that may be someone's pet peeve. I don't know. I don't care. All right, good. Yes, that's my photo. photo? Yeah, his photo is is loaded to the brim with pens. It's ridiculous. I had a lot of pins. (laughs) That's the thing is it's really subtle. A lot of people don't see it. Now I'm looking. (laughs) That's a a lot of pens. And now that I've seen it, I can't unsee it. That's that. I didn't even do it for that photo. That's just how many I had on me <laughs> at that event. It's nine pens, man. It's look, your your shirt is also the old DCI judge shirt. Hey, that's that's that was the shirt when I took that picture. No, but it's no longer an official. Is it a? I don't. It's an official so, shirt. So let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna come to CJ's defense on this. The except for the most recent, like the thin DCI shirts. All the other ones have been kind of. You mean the Magic big. Judge ones? Like you had not the DCI ones. Yeah, you've had you've had green ones. You've had the green ones. You've had the ones that are thicker than sweaters. Uh, you've had the patch ones, and then these. And these are these are these beat all of those. The old DCI yeah. ones. But I have one of the new ones now, and that's what I wear. I'm not taking a new photo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the sweaters. Oh, it's like wearing a burlap sack. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think you should probably take a new picture, CJ. Oh man. Just because people get older too. And I I've seen some pictures of people that after I've seen them in person I go, That 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 picture must be like seven years old or something. Yeah, I mean this one is four years old. For anyone who wants to see it, uh it's on the um on judgecast.com when you click about the host. I think that's all of our judge pictures. So And all of them are old. And all of them are old. Because we're old. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk the actual application. I was just about to say, speak for yourself. I'm not old. All right, I am a little. Am I the oldest one here? No, well, Brian's older. Even if you were, we would say it's Brian. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's the way that works. Fair enough. Some somehow I'm even older than Pete Yan. I don't understand. So let's talk about cover letters because this this is the the bulk of what we're here to talk about. Uh, the picture is important because that's an easy visual way to just jog someone's memory. But let's say even after seeing the picture and the name, still don't know who you are, never worked with you, or we don't remember working with you. Another easy thing that you can put in that will help your case, because the, ultimately this the goal here is for you to get staffed for this event, right? That's the whole point of this process. Um, if we don't know who you are, you know, oftentimes we're, we're taking a shot on, on the unknown judges. Mm-hmm. An easy way to make yourself a little less unknown is to put references. Uh, ideally, references of judges that you and I have, have both worked with. So if, if CJ is applying for an event and somehow I've forgotten who he is and that I've worked with him like 
a dozen times. Mm-hmm. He might put, for his references, Brian Prilliman and Jess Dunks. I'd be like, oh, I've worked with those guys, and maybe I'll maybe I'll ask Brian on IRC, hey, what can you tell me about this CJ guy? He applied for this event. Is he? Do you think it's a good fit? Tell me a little bit bit about his knowledge. And and that's a way to kind of get to know CJ through Brian. And that's that's an important reason to list people also that you've you've actually worked with more than just at the same event. Like I've I've seen sometimes people be like, I worked with so and so and that that was just that they happened to be at the same event and they didn't really work together at all, so they don't really know anything about each other. Uh, so make sure you're including people that have something to say about you. Right. Or or that have good things to say. I mean That's true too. It it's just like listing references for your for your resume for when you apply for a job. It it's usually a good idea to check with a person and say, Hey, I want to list you as a reference so it's not a surprise. And if it comes up in conversation, then you know, they'll they'll put a, a good spin for you. Because if I if I just ask Brian out of the blue, like, hey, what's up with this CJ guy, and he doesn't know, uh, Brian doesn't know that CJ has listed him as a reference, a typical judge thing is often like, oh, well, he's okay, but, and then like there's this long list of buts, right? But if you specifically tell someone, hey, I'm going to list you as a reference, then then they might be a little bit more willing to leave out some of the but and put in more of the positive aspects of working through. Oh yeah, CJ. He's working at a local store, you know, a few miles down the road. He's, you know, he's putting in good work. He's doing. Uh, he's run a few GPTs. Uh, players seem to seem to like him and respect him. So you know, yeah, give him a shot. He's got a little bit of a confidence issue, so you know, you guys can work on that. You know, something like that would be a, a reasonable response. Yeah. Uh, no, some, something else. This is a pet peeve of mine when when listing references. Um, if I'm the one putting out the event <laughs> and staffing it, don't don't list me as a reference. That's a great point. Because you already know the person. Or you don't. Or, yeah, or I it just looks it. bad. That could be and, bad, too. And, yeah. and then it looks bad. Yeah, either way, it just doesn't really work out. I have also experienced that, where I have seen my own name listed as a reference for a person that I haven't worked with. That's really funny. Or someone who hasn't talked to you about you know the whole, I'm going to list you as a reference. Right. Like, yeah, well, they were okay. Like you, you start to think back about the event you work together, and you get a little. Yep. Cool. Um, we should also mention kind of the ultimate reference in the judge program these days. Ultimate references is your regional coordinator, uh, because regional coordinators have access to comment on applications for all events, and at scheduled intervals, they are called upon to comment on on the larger ones and uh, the Grand Prix opens. And they may kind of poke around and comment on, on other ones as well, or if they're specifically asked to, they might. But if if you have a relationship with your regional coordinator, that's usually a good thing. Um, and people, you know, I guess some people wonder what that means. Like, how, how do you do that? Um, do you guys have thoughts on this? Like, how do you build a relationship with your regional coordinator if you are a level one or a fairly new level two? Uh, so, I mean, generally you just stay in communication with them. That's uh, that's what I've always done. Yeah. 
Or, hey, uh, I'm a judge in such and such area. Uh, I've been doing or I've been doing X, Y, Z. I'm really looking for getting some more comparel experience. Uh, can you can you suggest something uh, that I can do? You know, or maybe or maybe just come up and is like, hey, I've got a question about you know dealing with a problem in my local store. I mean, just just talk to them like you would a normal person. Like, don't necessarily expect to be like all buddy buddy with them uh, straight off the bat. But at the same time, you can open up a dialogue about issues and problems that you're having. Uh, you can also create a relationship almost indirectly if you have like a level two uh, or a level three judge in the local area. Uh, you can you can work with them, and uh, you know word kind of travels about about your stuff because a lot of times the regional coordinator might say like, hey, uh, what do you know, Brian? This L one's applying. He's in your area. What do you know about him? I'll be like, oh well, I know this, 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 this. Right. Some some regions have gone to the area captain system. In the United States, it's usually a state captain where that person is responsible for overseeing and knowing all of the judges in the state. And the regional coordinators act often uh, seek out their input and advice on people they might not know about necessarily. I mean, some, some areas are large, uh, you know, 150 judges in this region, 400 judges in this other region. You know, it's, it is unreasonable to expect the regional coordinator to know everybody. Yeah, but I mean, it's like you said, Ron. You kind of expect the regional coordinator to know somebody who will know you. Is this basically oh, yeah, the plan? Definitely. Even if you can't know, if they yeah. can't know you directly. And if and if there's and if let's let's say that I was a uh, like for Dallas, okay. Um, I when I was when I was head judge of that, you know, I asked Kevin, uh, you know, what do you know about this judge, this this judge, and he was able to tell me uh, uh, several of them. But for others, he'd be like. You know who would know better this, uh, you know, Hibbs or Evan Cherry because this guy lives in the in in his part of uh, of Texas. So I go, okay. So I went and talked to those guys, and you know, I was able to get. So the regional coordinator is kind of the 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 central point of of all of that information. Okay, cool. I just have one more thing on regional coordinators and getting to know them. Just a suggestion is. Um, Basically, nominate people for exemplar to your regional coordinator. Like, and this is mostly from you know for L ones who don't have exemplar nominations at all, but it could apply to L twos as well because L twos only have what three currently. Three, yep. Yeah. So if you have if you have someone who you think has been doing a great job and is worthy of exemplar, and you don't have a nomination available for them. Talk to your regional coordinator. That's part of their job is to kind of oversee the region and and give exemplar nominations to people out there who maybe don't get recognition usually. So that's a way for you to get on. You know, put that it puts that person on their radar and it puts you on their radar as well for for bringing this up and and for looking out for your fellow judge. That's a good thing to be on someone's radar for. Yeah, that's a really, yes. It's a good uh, yeah. As opposed to the other the other way around. Which is which is oh I got this judge that did this bad thing so, so yeah uh, and we we actually often say um, uh, at least down here is you talking about yourself is one thing getting others to talk about you is really good because if whatever you've done has inspired other people to to tell others that you're awesome 
then that that just that means you're you're so much better, you're so much more well positioned in the region. Yeah, and I've I've always felt that that is a, a two way street type of thing. Um, there you know there are these sayings like a rising tide floats all boats, and the idea is like if rather than you going out and saying like I'm the, I'm the greatest judge ever, like go out and tell people about other great judges and and build up your community that way and i think naturally like that kind of attitude will spread and other people will say good things about you all right cool so for references so i got some judges i've worked with uh should i be adding my boss my dog <laughs> your uh sixth grade junior yeah. high school dance partner but not all of yeah. those just one just your dog i don't even have a dog your cats no, it it should be it should be someone or a few someone's who are relevant to the topic at hand, which is magic judging, and it should not be every single judge you've ever worked with or every single high level judge you've ever worked with, uh, because again, you start to get into that range of people who, if we go around and ask them, they might be like, I don't know who that is, or they weren't that great. Like, I I don't know, like maybe one one to three solid references where I know this person, I trust this person, and if I ask them, like, they will say good things about you. I think that's probably about the right place. Yeah, that's what I was getting at, is about how many should we have on there. All right, so let's move so in. Now, now, having listened to this, how many judges do you think will just be like, okay, well, I'll list CJ Schrader, Brian Perlman, and Jess Dunks, because I emailed JudgeCast that one time. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, do that, guys. I imagine anyone who's met us at an event and been like, yeah, I emailed you uh, this so-and-so question. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not going to remember you. And also, if I've met you before, I'm not going to remember you. That's that's on me. I don't remember anyone. It's a problem. All right. So, um, CJ, you saw the, the applications for Charlotte. That's I did. That's a modern event. Well, the, the main event is modern. The yes. open is modern for yes. Charlotte. Off the top of your head, do you recall how many people listed any kind of experience with the modern format? Um, so I mostly only looked over the Georgia ones, so I'm kind of calling them out. But the answer is zero. <laughs> I don't believe any did. Or if they did, I didn't notice it. So for a modern event, none of them said, I have modern experience? No, not anything in particular. Right. I, I think in all of the applications, and this was, what, like 30 or so? 40. Yeah, we, we got to 42 applications. I only recall seeing the word modern like four or five times, maybe. And to be clear, this includes my own... I don't, actually, I didn't apply to that event, but other events I've applied to, I have not mentioned the, yeah. the format. And as, a, as an organizer, like trying to put this together... Especially as we as we get to the people we don't know much about, because like if it's an L two that has worked multiple opens, we expect that they have a pretty broad range of knowledge about formats and cards. But if we don't know you at all, it's like these days maybe you've just run a few booster drafts and standard events at your your local store, right? F and M and a couple of pre releases. And if we're talking about putting you on staff for nine rounds of a modern open, we really need to know what you know about modern or how, how much you've judged it. Do you know how yeah, Blood yes, Moon works? Right? I mean, that's something I might even, I mean, I might specifically call out. 
is how many modern events you've worked, and then any anything else that could indicate your knowledge. Like I have read Nathan Long's article on Blood Moon. That that would be that would be actually a huge positive in my book in a yeah. for for that event. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, right. You're making sure that you list relevant experience is important. Like you you would wouldn't want to go into it saying I know all about modern for a you know uh, a standard event necessarily, but yeah. Yeah, uh, listing your. You know, I I play in my weekly modern event at the store. You know, that's not necessarily judging, but it's playing in f- format familiarity. That counts. Yeah, playing too. Um, I recall the first team sealed Grand Prix that I applied to judge. I listed in my cover letter that I had not yet judged a team sealed event, but I had played in into team sealed Grand Prix just as an extra piece of evidence. Um, and and in all these cases, you want to be you want to be as specific as possible. Um, like just saying that I I judge I've judged modern events obviously isn't isn't the greatest. If you say you judge modern events weekly at your local store, you know on Wednesdays and Fridays, now that gets into to something a little meatier, and it and it tells us a little more about what we can expect. And the same thing was true for Legacy, too. Um, this weekend in Washington, D.C., I'm, I'm heading out to the, the Legacy Open, head judged by Abe Corson, and it was the same thing. Like Very few people listed their knowledge or experience with the Legacy format, and I think for that event, it, it was even more important to have listed that because Legacy is very complicated, and it's it was very hard to parse out like who we could... You know, who we could trust to put on this event? Right. No, no. You said you said parse out who who we can trust. So uh, I want to I want to touch on. We're we're asking you to list references, list your relevant experience, that kind of thing. But another huge huge thing in in the reports is making that information parsable. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is if I have to read through a paragraph or two of text to get that information, you are doing yourself a disservice because, because I'm going to lose interest in reading it before I get to the Mm -hmm. relevant point. Yeah, absolutely. I do like it when people write in depth, um, cover letters, but there's a, there is a breaking point where it becomes too long. And the way, the way that this website does it is when you hover over someone's name, it shows you the cover letter. And it, if you haven't seen the back end, it's hard to explain this. But basically, if, if I have to scroll down to read the whole cover letter, that makes me less likely to, to read the whole thing. And it makes it likely that some of the, the great information you might have put in might be missed. Yeah, so, so length is, is definitely a factor. Um, like it is with all writing, like you want you want to be able to edit to the point where it's still you know relevant. It still gets to all the points you want to hit, but but doesn't go on forever. Um, and then also also let's see here, um, there there you do have an opportunity to include other relevant information, even even more so than than format knowledge. Like uh, if it's a particular if if you are applying to a GP and you need to leave early. Put that in your cover letter. That needs to be, that needs to be part of the decision of 
that needs that needs to be part of the information that the person who's making the decision to staff you right needs to or, have. Or, or if you uh, you know recently injured yourself and needed accommodation for that, or anything unusual should really be included in a cover letter. Right. Um, so yeah, inju- injuries are great. Like I would like, or even like I would like to work deck checks because I have not yep. done that before. Uh, another good thing is your goals for the event. Yes. You know, uh, I my goal is to learn how to do uh, uh, turn rounds faster. So I would like to be on the paper team. Uh, I've had I've I've been on the deck checks team, but I really want to work and figure out a way to improve uh, X. Yeah, yeah, and you know, those are and on that on a very similar note, specifically for the Star City Open series. I love it when someone lists a specific side event that they are interested in judging. Um, so we have like two-headed giant challenge, we have modern and legacy challenge, and then the on-demand events. And if you if you list that as a specific goal, it it makes me more more likely. It makes me want to staff that judge more because then it makes my job easier down the line when I I have to like organize the staff and figure out who's going to be doing the side events i can be like well this person asked for it that's that's one one decision i don't have to make so it, it also shows that the person's yeah, thinking ahead and awareness like, of the event and, and and right they're aware they're aware of the needs of the event and that kind of forward thinking like that's the kind of person that you actually want to or, or you want to staff because they're already thinking about how they can work in the, how they can integrate into the event and how they can make it a, a better, better event. Yeah. So another thing is this is, I think this is mostly for level ones is level ones applying to competitive REL events is write some reviews, write a tournament report. So often, like when I'm looking through applications, from level ones, you know, I'd say like 80% of them mention I am working towards level two. You know, like that I'm applying to this event because I'm working towards level two and I need this experience. Writing three reviews of other judges and writing a tournament report are required. They're prerequisites to test for level two. And if you have done these things, then again, like that shows awareness of the requirements and what you need to do and a, and a, a willingness to do them. And it's just kind of another evidence point that that I see as here. Here are some more reasons I should take this application more seriously, because you have put in some work. And if you've written a tournament report, um, I might read it, and you might there might be stuff in the tournament report that makes me want to staff you as well. It could essentially become an extension of your cover letter. Also, if you say. I'm interested in testing for level two at this event, and you haven't written oh. any reviews. That that reflects right. poorly. Well, at that point, you haven't even met the requirements. Right, and it shows you're not right. even aware. Probably. Or or worse, you're trying to. Ah, eh, they won't check. Right. Yeah. So don't do that. That one never works, though. They won't check. Move. Nobody's ever no, gotten by not. trying that uh, using that one because they do check. Of course they check. Why wouldn't they check? Like I don't get it. So, so let's let me ask this question. Um, I'm applying for a comp rel event. <clears throat> let's say it's a 
let's say it's a 1K or a 5K or maybe, you know, maybe, maybe applying for, for Sunday uh, or Saturday only at an open. I am a level one judge. I have no comp rel experience. Okay. What are the types of things to put in my cover letter? What are the types of activities that I need to do that I can reference in my cover letter that would encourage you to give me a shot? Um, the, I, I was just looking over a few cover letters right now, and one that immediately stood out was, I have read the IPG. That's the Infraction Procedure Guide. So that, that document is not a required document for level one. It is required for level two, and level twos are tested on it. So going from that spectrum from one to two, someone who has, so someone who says that they have read the IPG is again like an evidence point that I should take this person slightly more seriously than someone who hasn't. Uh, there may be other ways like you can you can say this beyond just I have read the IPG like um, like saying you have read Toby Elliott's blog, right? That might be something. Um, maybe even the annotated IPG. I don't know what that is. I've never the eight the annotated yeah, IPG. Yeah. What if they say they listen to JudgeCast? How many points does that get them? That I mean, that's that's not nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. That 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 at the very least. <laughs> Hold on. Can that be our not nothing? <laughs> we're not nothing. We're not nothing. No, it shows us at least you're you're you know how to access resources and you go out of your way to to find some of them. No, right. Like, legitimately, I'd be very impressed if someone said they read Toby's blog. Because uh, particularly like a new level one who hasn't had any of these opportunities, they they may not even be on judge judge apps yet, or they haven't been on there for long. So I'd be I'd be very impressed by that alone. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we we obviously have a very skewed perspective on things. So I'm I'm just trying to think. Yeah, like what kind of things would get my attention, and that would certainly be one. Basically, stuff that that shows evidence that you're you're looking at what makes a comp relevant work, you know, all of the policies, the procedures, the 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 documents that are out there, you know, I am reading these things, I am doing these things, it makes you a lot more attractive than I run F and M every week. I want to work your competitive REL event. It's like, oh, well, I got this other guy that does F and Ms and has read the IPG, so. He's all he. Everything else being equal, that judge has uh, a leg up on you. Yeah, and so, like stuff that to me, stuff that doesn't work is um, saying or writing. I'm very enthusiastic, like, or I'm very organized. The, these are things. Yeah, like, great. You might think this about yourself, but it's not. To me, it's not evidence. Do you do you see what I'm saying? I had I had one application where where the person told me that they were great at line control. Wow, okay. that's that's useful information. And I was like, that's, that's a little more interesting. That's very specific. It was. It, I mean, it gave me. I remember it yeah. years later, you know. But it was just kind of one of these things where I was like, huh? <laughs> I mean, you do need lines controlled. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, and for the, if anybody's wondering what exactly that is, that just means when you have a line of people, say, signing up for side events, making sure that that line is a, actually a line and goes where it needs to instead of down where players are playing, that's called line control. Or, or just a big blob, blobby mess. But yeah. 
Yeah, but I like I like the line line control thing. It, again, it's kind of a very specific yeah. thing. It shows awareness of what an, an event needs, and it's much better than you know. I am very enthusiastic. Like that's just that's filler. And if you write that, you should probably just cut that out because it's not necessarily wasting time. It's just taking up space that more specific information could be useful in. So, do you think advice that kind of applies to corporate cover letters? applies here. So, you know, basically when you're writing a corporate cover letter, I don't think you're really supposed to say what the company can do for you. You're saying what you can do for the company. So by the same event, same token here, I feel like it's better to say what you can do for the event, not what you'll uh, completely get out of the event. And that kind of goes against the goals part we talked about already, but. Well, the goals is important, but also, you know, you, you want to make sure especially if you're an unknown judge that you're saying what you can do for the event. If I, if I get a cover letter and I'm judge managing a GP and I get a cover letter that says something like, or the only relevant information is something like, um, this is the first time that I'm getting, I'm really excited about judging something other than a 10 person draft at my local store. Um, it's really hard to justify putting that person on a, a, a grand prix staff, for example, mm-hmm. um, because they don't have experience and I don't know anything that they're good at. Makes sense. Uh, so like it's, it's good to put your goals and such, but also, you know, if you're good at something, let me know you're good at it because I have no idea. If you're like, I can help you, you know, I've had judges apply to events and say, I am the best at cutting match slips. I cut match slips so straight that nobody ever complains about them. They actually put that on a cover letter. <laughs> That is relevant information that I am interested in <laughs> having this person on staff as a scorekeeper. <laughs> right? Like, I'm like, I know one person on staff that wants this guy already. You know, uh, I just and thought about it. I'm thinking of a specific person, which is why I say it. But, like, this, it's just a thing. You know, tell us what you're yeah. good at. I just thought about a good one for for that that hypothetical, relatively new level one without a lot of comfortable experiences to uh, take a few policy practices, maybe. And if you can do well at them. I think that would be that would be good information to have on there. Yes, and and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna say probably probably a little bit of tailoring goes into like the large the large grand prix. Yes, you want to talk about what what you can what you can bring to the event. Um, probably at the the smaller events like the regional like one Ks and five Ks and maybe the larger PPTQs. You know you're gonna have. The, the judge who's doing the, the staffing is probably going to have one or, you know, one slot or maybe two slots for growth potential because obviously we want to use, you know, some number of slots to train the next generation up. You know, obviously if you always, always, always fill all of the slots, uh, at any event with the best of the best, then you're never going to get the next generation of the best of the best. It's also discouraging right. to other so, people who always see the same people getting on staff and, and then nobody knew. Right. So, so definitely, definitely these are the things I want to get out of the event because when, if I staff somebody, I have one or two slots for growth at say maybe a regionals event where I'm allowed to have several judges. Um, I want to make sure that the person that I put on staff not only is going to be able to perform, but is going to be able to get something out of the event and take it back home with them. So, so those, those, I mean, it's a balance. This is what I can bring and this is what I hope to get, uh, out of the event. And the more specific, the better. Yep. All right, Ricky. So what's your, what's your next thought on cover letters? 
Well, so far we've talked, I think, mostly towards an audience of newer judges and how to get on people's radar and how to show, you know, your value to what, what value you can bring to the event. Meanwhile, there are a lot of judges who, you know, on the Grand Prix circuit and on the open circuit have been to a lot of events. We all know who these people are. We have a fairly good idea of their strengths and weaknesses. And I think this is where goals might be a little more important because if we already know what you can bring to the event, we're kind of interested in in how you want to keep developing and what you want to work on. And uh, for that purpose, I think goals are absolutely something, you know, people often mention in their cover letter, if they're experienced, they, they mention, oh, I want to be in a team lead role. And again, that's something that might be useful for the person staffing the event or the head judge if they see that. Um, to be able to kind of lock that person in or at least know of their interests. Um, beyond that, I, I, I want experienced judges to still take the cover letter seriously. And this, like, I have seen, you know, level two judges who have done dozens of these events either not write a cover letter at all, just leave it blank, or write a joke cover letter, like some, some kind of inside joke or, or something like that. And I don't know, it, oftentimes it, it pisses me off when I see that because I feel like they're not taking it seriously. They, they feel like they're a shoe-in for the staff and they don't, they don't need to say anything. And while, while I do usually scale my, my anger back and go, okay, yeah, they're, they're fine for the staff. I have like I have on occasion suggested that maybe we just shouldn't staff this person and tell them why and get them to take the process more seriously. And I, I kind of want the, the judge program to get big enough and good enough that we can do this on a more regular basis is kind of my, my dream. Uh, because I you know, it's there are people, there are judges, um, there are judges fighting for their lives, figuratively, <laughs> on trying to get on staff for this event. And it just, I want people to take it more seriously. So one thing I think about when I'm writing uh, a cover letter, particularly for Star City Games. So like most of my judge career, someone at Star City Games has known me. Um, you know, they, they know who I am. I, I haven't really needed to write a cover letter, but I think every time I write one, I think about uh, what if this is the time they've hired someone new who doesn't know me to that does uh, cover letters. So I always put at least at least the bare minimum basic information in there that they're looking for. Um, Cause I don't, I don't want to get declined cause I wrote a crappy cover letter. I usually have a joke in there too. Sorry, Ricky, but I have all the other I, stuff also. Yeah. I mean, if you have the relevant information, a joke is fine. Right. But if it's like just a joke, yeah. then it's like, it's well, just this is what you've told me is just a joke. And then in my, in my brain that translates to you're just a joke. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So I can't that, say and that's, cover. that's actually a really good point is, you know, your cover letter, are you presenting you? If if you're not presenting it seriously, then it looks like you're not presenting anything seriously. So so what do you say? What do you say to I'll, I'll, I'll call them the the SCG grinder? You know, like there's there's grinders for the events, but there's also judge okay. grinders who who every weekend they're doing an SCG open. And so every week they're applying Uh personalize the cover letter form letter every time rubber stamp you know or, or i'm just stamping the same app uh the same cover letter over and over oh, and over I again would, i would absolutely personalize it i mean right now you know when i'm when i'm reading cover letters for events for 
you know, Washington, D.C. and Charlotte and Richmond, for example, those three events happen within like an eight week period. I absolutely notice the people who have just copy pasted. And by the way, if you're going to copy paste your cover letter, make sure you change the event city name. Because we've seen that problem before. <laughs> like, I, I'm so happy to apply for Star City Charlotte when it's actually Richmond a couple of weeks later. <laughs> and then again, it's like, well, you're not paying attention. So if you're not paying attention here, how can we trust you to pay attention on the floor of the tournament? Like, these are, these are the thoughts that go through people's heads when they read these things. <clears throat> um, yeah, and like, personalize it um, to the event. And I don't know, like try to have ongoing goals that evolve. Like if you're a grinder, again, the focus might be more on your goals and your development versus what what, what you can bring to the event because we, we know that. But if you show awareness of stuff, like maybe, maybe you feel like you've been slipping at uh, cutting slips, okay? cutting match results slips, like it didn't go so well. Mention that. Mention like, hey, at the last event, I know I didn't cut the slips so well. This is something I want to focus on at this event and maybe get a little guidance on and practice. That shows that like, A, you're aware that you screwed up last time. And then B, you are interested in improving. And for for the grinder judges, like that is the, the thing that I would want to see the most. It's an interest in improving and in expanding their skill set and, and becoming excellent judges. Has anyone else heard anything that directly repl- applies to a cover letter you've written in the past and you're kind of just going, Ugh. Oh, yeah. So yeah, much of it. Me too. <laughs> Even stuff that I may have done more recently, to be honest. Yeah. I copied and pasted yeah. the cover letter. I said that right before this show. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. And and even for even for us guys like who have been everywhere and done that, I I feel like a reckoning is coming. Like... Currently, it is very unlikely for a level three judge to be declined from a Grand Prix, but there are far more level three judges than there have ever been in history, and I, I, ju- I just feel like we're, we're reaching the point where level three judges are going to start getting declined, and if, if you're copy-pasting or if you're just saying, I would love to work this event, and that's all it says, and you're just assuming I'm a level three, of course I'm going to get accepted, I, I just think you're not going to at some point, like in the next year or two. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't assume that you're a you're a shoe in, even at any old level. You know, uh, put put some put some effort into it because you never know when when it's not gonna it's not gonna go your way. Yeah. All right. Um, so, Ricky, is there anything else you want to talk about with regards to cover letters? I think we've gone over it. I'm just taking a look through at some cover letters and seeing if anything. Sparks. Can we really quickly oh. do uh, uh, just kind of a synopsis of all the that, things, like as a checklist that we need to? That's actually what I was about to do. Yeah. 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 Can I add one yes, one last thing before we do the synopsis? Is make sure that if the tournament organizer is asking for information, like in those questions, or they in the application, they say, "Please include this information in your cover letter." include that information in your cover yeah. letter. Yeah. Um, because if I ask you to do something and you don't do it, then you are that, you know, you are, you are less, that much oh, that, less that's likely. That's an easy uh, decision for me. If I, if I ask you to put something in your cover letter, 
or to apply to me in some some way, and you don't do that, like you can't read the bare minimum, then that's easy decision for me not to accept you. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, do, why are you make you're making yeah. more work for me? No, yeah. it turns out you're not. <laughs> uh, you're making the exact opposite. Okay, cool. So what we covered here was uh, easy stuff. Make sure your level's correct and you have a profile picture. Then uh, Ricky talked about how you should, on your cover letter itself, list your references, but not too many references. So I think we came down to one to three or so. Yeah, list, list your best references. Yeah, the that makes people, sense. The people who will, who will give you that huge thumbs up. And I, I seriously doubt that that's ten people. Yes. Um, if you have any format knowledge, list that. If you are, particularly if you're applying for a competitive event or saying you're going for level two, make sure you have written a, at least a review and a t- or a tournament report or both or three reviews, etc. And for the more experienced judges, Ricky said that don't assume you're a shoe-in for the event. Still actually work on a cover letter. Make a real cover letter. And don't make a joke unless... Eh, just don't make a joke. You're probably better off just not. Uh, again, I think it depends on your relationship with the organizer. Yeah. And and CJ, you you go way back with Star City Games, especially in Georgia. You know, you've been a foundation there. So even if you were to just put a joke in, you know, we would staff you, but we might say, hey, like, put a little more effort into it. Yeah. But if, if if you're not that foundation, if you're just that that mid-level grinder judge and and you're on that cusp, like that's the kind of thing that might drop you down below the cusp. So I think no no have understand your relationship with the organizer and make it appropriate. Like put in a joke, but then also put in all the serious stuff and have a goal. Alright. Great. So mail time! Well, it's a little too late for the mail. You always say that, man. Every time. Hey, we read it last time. Mm-hmm. Well, we did one. Right, fine. We we'll, did one mail. Uh, Ricky already did it. Beginning. Ricky already said it, so we'll read one email. One email from another CJ. Says, what? I know. If I counter an X spell with psychic rebuttal and have spell mastery, when I copy the X, I'm sorry, copy the spell, is X set as whatever they had as X, or does X equal zero? So psychic rebuttal says. Does it say? Alright, just counter target instant or sorcery spell that targets you. Wow, that's so bad. <laughs> if there are two more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, you may copy the spell counter this way. So you may choose new targets for the copy. So simple example is I fireball Ricky for seven and he psychic rebuttals it. What happens? I, I take seven of the face because I don't play counter spells. Uh, yeah, assuming you have spell mastery, uh, really anytime you copy a spell, if there's an X involved, the X is going to be, uh, remain the same um, uh, unless X is defined by the card. Cool. So I will be, I would also be fireballed back for seven. Right. No, not also. This counters. Oh, sorry, you're right. It counters it and then copies it. Great Suck point. it, CJ. <laughs> Suck uh, CJs. What is happening right now? I don't know. All right. CJ's taking over the world. Yep, that's actually that's that's what's going on right there. Okay, as long as we're talking about CJs. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know we were, but okay. Your name is Roy. That is private to the podcast. Why are you blowing up my spot? <laughs> Man, you're gonna cut this part I out. I started laughing. No, I'm not cut it out. 
I mean, when I first met you in Judge Center, you were Roy Schrader. So, yeah. So I've, I'm just going to point out something. The guy from Jaws. Uh, I didn't know that until this moment. <laughs> pri- oh, private to the podcast, huh? Yeah, like just that has never come up. Yeah. I mean, it's on his name. As bag. far as the podcast is concerned, that's private. Not I have shared that privately. But yes, that's that's exactly it. My my very first GP, I got the name badge. It said Roy Schrader. I was like, this will not do. I went home that night, printed out a little black sheet of paper that said CJ. Put that tape that over there. So now everyone, when they see my name tag, asks me why it has the tape on it. That's why. Uh, and then shortly after, got it changed in Judge Center. But have not gotten a new name badge printed. Uh don't look at me for that. I mean, I've tried. No, but what I what I want to know is, <laughs> I, I think I think there is the CJ's for. There is more mystery surrounding how to get a name tag. Yeah, than there has ever been about the L three advancement process. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> I, I've given up on the name tag thing. Um, but stop, stop evading. It's <laughs> like CJ Crooks. His first name is Christopher, so I assume the J is like his middle name or Junior or something. All right, here's the story. CJ is not R. Like, you should be RJ. Here's the story briefly. Is uh, my my grandfather is Roy Charles Schrader the first. My father is Roy Charles Schrader the second. He goes by Chuck after the middle name. So I'm Roy Charles Schrader the third. So my parents, in their infinite wisdom, decided Chuck Jr. would work here. So CJ stands for Chuck Jr., as in junior to my father, but third in the entire proud lineage of Roy's. That is such a Georgia thing, like Georgia I, logic. I, we also, didn't live like, I love that you told that story. Like it was one of one of your like the, the way you like correct us with magic stories, like legendary magic stories all the time. You're like, <laughs> no, guys, it's like this, and that you think it was the same like cadence and tone. Well, I've told that story more times in my life than any <laughs> other story I've ever told by about a factor of a hundred. So, so the in fact the Shut J does stand for junior. It does stand for junior, junior. But you are the third of yeah. the game. <laughs> yep. I think we're done with this episode. <laughs> yep. But there it is. <laughs> wow. All right. So if you want to contact us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ricky, thanks so much for being on. That's great. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at MTG Wikipedia. Guys, it wasn't that funny. I know, what's so funny? <laughs> I know, yeah, I'm, I'm laughing at Ricky's laughing. I've known him for years, and I was like, oh, it's probably like, you know, two names. Like, So, so you just... Fun. Do you like actively get mad when people call you call you by any of those names? Like Roy, like, it, it, it has to be CJ, right? Like, oh, it used to be really big in the judge program to call me Roy. Like that was okay. really big post GP Atlanta. I mean, I'm not going right. to get mad, but the truth is, I might not answer. <laughs> like, right, but but you wouldn't like you know. This has been my Chuck name Junior since Junior birth. So so where did the nickname the Duke originate I, from? Uh, I don't know because it used to be DJ Spooky Molder, and then it was like it was like Duke <laughs> Earl Roy Stradier. And it just became the Duke from there. But I don't think the podcast was aware of that one either. So learning a lot about me today. <laughs> oh, okay. Do remember DJ. So in Ricky's laughter, he said MTG Wikipedia. Is there anything else you wanted to plug? You got like a blog feedback loop. Yeah, that I haven't written for either in a while. Yeah, they might come back when they come back. I'll I'll come back on and tell you that they're back. Okay, great. All right. Anything else you wanted to talk about, Ricky, before we wrap up? 
Sarah wants me to talk about a rival podcast. There are no rivals to Judge Guest. Recorded, but someone has still not edited it. I've exactly. I'm just waiting for MTG Cast to get back to me. Okay. That's why. Oh, I'm an oh, admin yeah. at MTG Cast, so I'll handle that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. It's like, oh, did you? Is this podcast? Did you cover the uh, the IPG updates from March? Yeah, since it's been so long. Should have should have written mm. a better cover letter for our podcast. Should have. Mm. Okay, well, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Um, really got weird at the end, but my name's very trip. personal. Very personal at the end. Yeah, I got very personal. It was touching. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Next time we will hear about how Jess's name is not actually Jess. It, it actually is. It's actually uh, just Jess. Like, there's no, it's not short for anything either. Is it normal? No, that's or? not true at all. What? You're calling name, you out. <laughs> your, your full name is Jestifer. Jestifer. Good old Jestifer <laughs> Dunks. <laughs> How could I forget? And he Brian Amanapia Philemon. All right, my name is Roy, and I keep it fair. I, I'm Jess Dunks, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Philemon, and I'm not. <laughs> that's right. So there's a soundboard, the emotion player. Yeah, don't do baby crying. It's 14 seconds long. <laughs> no, <laughs> no why are you doing it? <laughs> you can stop it. Uh, oh, I heard it. Did I you heard hear it. it? I, what? Okay. I heard oh, mine whatever. also. So anyway, hey, Ricky. Hello. Okay. <laughs> it's annoying when someone else does it. It's great when I do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love about that. <laughs> <laughs> you had to introduce you Brian to this thing, didn't you? <laughs>